welcome to Bohemiana. My name is George Penny and this is my podcast where I talk to interesting and creative people about whatever they want to talk about. And today I am talking to the divine Alison Reynolds. She's a children's author who has written a debut novel called The Near Daphne Experience. And wow, I must admit I've gotten a little bit jaded about, well, a couple of genres lately, crime fiction, women's fiction, and uh, maybe even chiclet, even though I write it. You know, it's one of those things I'm around it a lot. And this has renewed my love of all three. This was a fantastic book. It really took me by surprise, really uniquely written, and I really wanted to talk to Alison about it. So you'll hear quite a lot of that. And I actually love this book so much. It is one of my favorite things this week, <laughs> which is just lovely. And I'm going to double that down and say that Angela Slatter's Path of Thorns is my equal favorite thing. <laughs> in my first favorite thing because I just finished reading that and that was amazing. My second favorite thing this week was the Wayward Children series by Seanan McGuire. I binged it. I absolutely lost a good two days reading through it and really, really loved it. And it sort of saved my sanity. I'm getting ready to leave Mauritius sometime soon and start trekking the world again, doing what I do. So it was it was quite nice to have the procrastination and the distraction. So that's that. But back to Alison. This was a really great chat. She's a really wonderful, wonderful person, as I'm sure you'll hear. And I was delighted to be able to talk to her. So without any further ado, I give you Alison Reynolds. I am talking to the wonderful Alison Reynolds today and Alison, where to start? I was just saying I read your book last night and I am buzzing and the best description I could give of your book is that moment you pick up a book and you're reading and you're going, yeah, this is good. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. Oh, look what she did. Oh my goodness. Now I have to tell everyone about this. It was just. I'm, I was literally just sitting there going, oh my goodness. Oh, oh, she did that? You can do that? Wow. <laughs> that is such a relief because, um, as yeah. I said, you're the first person I've spoken to who's read it apart from the publishing company and my immediate family and they have to say nice things for us. Oh, sook. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I won't really. <laughs> I just want to know everything about this. So for the... For the listener, this is the closest I can possibly get to for listener expectations. I have so many questions about how you pitched this story, how how you came up with the idea, but the, the best sort of correlation I probably have would be Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. If someone loves that book. I adored that book. That is like the highest praise. I adored that. I read that during lockdown because I was a bit behind I'm and so I was... Making all my friends read it, saying you have to read this. You're going to think it's sad, but it's very. Um, I wanted to write something life affirming in a in a way without being yeah corny. Like I had to have a nice happy ending because I feel like that's important at the moment. Oh my goodness, isn't it ever? There are enough dystopias out there right now. I I do like my dystopic fiction, but I got to say, um, with the way you did this, so the the book title, 
I, I should say to you, do you want to just uh, explain your book to readers a little bit how you want to, to pitch it? I think the log line is how dangerous can it be to help an old school friend find true love? And it's about Daphne, who's a psychiatrist, and everything in her life is, her professional life, she's a total star, but in her personal life, oh, she's got a overbearing mother, she's just her current boyfriend's just disappeared, gone back to America. She's got a lot of things and she's one of these people who always has to feel she does everything right and she's got things she ticks off. So she's um, looking for love. So she decides to do it by putting an ad in the personal ads. Do you remember them? I do. I do. So the book's called The New Daphne Experience and people go and this is going to be the next Eleanor Oliphant. It is <laughs> so freaking good. I I just, uh, I it's rare I finish something and it was too late at night for me to message all of my friends. Oh, and it really? was that moment where it, it, it was just like, buy this. And then I realised it wasn't out until I think it's next week you're... You're debuting, right? 28th of June. It's tattooed on my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. And one of the amazing things, you're describing Daphne, but you never get to meet her. Like the reader never really meets her in the book per se. And you know how there's always a friend that you don't, one of their friends you don't like, but you pretend you do, just so you don't yeah. offend them, but you're seeing a slightly different side of them. Um, yeah. You know how we all put up different sides of ourselves and that's what I was exploring with Daphne about how she's got many different sides but what she really like and that's one of the reasons um, it's like the near-Daphne experience because apart from the obvious near-death experience, like you're near her but only the reader will be able to work out what she's really like rather than the actual um, the actual characters in the book, her friends and family and everything. That was It was a risk. It was a real risk. It works so well. So for the listeners, the way it's compiled, it's set in the early 2000s, which is, you know, a bit of a, I've got a soft spot for that particular point in time. So reading it, you've got letters from mum, you've got emails from her friend, emails and stuff from this very hunky guy, who is a questionably but very hunky guy. She's sort of, you know, dating. You've got, you've got all of these letters and things, and the, which, which to me was so subversive. And I think you're probably going to get people thinking academically about this, having a female character being the negative space in a book that is solely about her. I just loved it. It was, it's, it, it's such an easy book to read that it sneaks up on you and you don't even realise how smart it is until you get about, I'm going to say, quarter of the way through and you're like, oh, what is this witchery? What are you doing here? <laughs> it's almost like you come into someone's house and you make them a nice cup of tea and you make them comfy with the bunny slippers on and then suddenly it's like, bam, hey, you're, you're somewhere where you didn't think you were. And so what? why the early 2000s? Why did you decide uh, not to have Daphne really at the centre? Because it works so well, but I don't know anyone who's done this. I am really interested in how everyone has different faces they put on and how you think you know someone and then something will happen and then you think, I never really knew them, even people who you know. Have you had that happen personally where you've just sort of thought about a friend and gone, oh? I probably didn't have very good boundaries with some people. 
that's been polite. Yeah, and I've realised and I've looked back and I'm thinking, that was there the whole time. Why were you, why didn't you even realise that you were going to find out? I have been fooled by people. Fooled or only seen what I wanted to. <laughs> Anyone with empathy, I think, can completely relate to that and has probably had that happen to them, especially there's a thing with Daphne and her friend, is it Celeste? Yes, yeah. And her friend Celeste is writing this stuff at times, which is somewhat heinous at times. She's sort of acting like, oh, you'll be fine with this, Daphne. I'm just doing a thing and you'll be perfectly fine with it because you're my friend. And I had a moment, and I'm sure so many people will reading this, where they're like, oh, wow, that's happened to me before. I, I recognise this completely. But you're already, and you, I could almost picture Daphne sitting there as a reader. You're in the almost the main protagonist because she's not written about you're almost her as you're reading this and I'm actually picturing the times where I've been in that situation and I'm already making excuses for my friend being a shit I'm actually thinking to myself oh well you know she's just had a hard day the kids have been difficult or whatever and is is that what you were channeling a bit but why do we make excuses when there's other people we just wouldn't put up with it at all? That really interests me, like the whole idea of friendship and what we're getting from it. Or a friend, a very wise friend once said to me, you know, when you've got friends, each friend provides something different to you that you need. And that's why yeah. they're often very different. It's so interesting to me because I ended up really liking Celeste. And you're seeing something different in her. So I suppose when you write a book, you never know how people, you're bringing your own experience to it, aren't you? Isn't it? It's so funny. It's such a line because I don't want to give away that moment where someone's reading the book and goes, oh my God, but, <laughs> which will happen. But in that moment, I really identified with Daphne. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you go, girl. Yeah, you go. <laughs> I was actually oh. on her side. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because, like, she does have, you know, who she thinks love of her life's just gone back to America. She's got yeah. a, her mother's just appalling. But I ended up liking her by the end of the book. Which is and you did a few really like you know on a craft level thing. I'm I'm reading it and I'm like, how is she making this character so likable to the point where at the beginning the first letter from her mother, you're reading it and you're like whoa, you are a piece of work. You're funny, but you are a piece of work. And then yeah. by three quarters of the way through, I'm like, actually, I want you to do well. I kind of get you. Yeah, and I, I think it was because you provided letters from dad to Daphne, and then suddenly yeah. you begin to see a whole relationship and what's going on, and it's... I laughed out loud about... I rarely laugh like full-on snort laugh during a book. I think I snort laugh during this one about three or four times because you'd oh, balance fantastic. the tension yeah. so well with all of these characters and what was going on and I had no idea where you were going to take it. Oh, well, a lot of my mother and grandmother are in um, Mariana, Daphne's mother. I mean, of course, it's heightened a bit, but quite a lot. They, I know. Like, You've got really... some power women in your family. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, but I thought they were great. But I don't know if every, yeah. some people might have found them a bit much. You know, when you grow up used to it, I think it's what they're like and that's, that's really, you know, there's always a project. There's always something happening and, um, yep. yeah, a lot of it, there is quite a lot of um, mum and granny in it, which was nice. It's my homage to them. 
which is good. And she does get a wonderful ending. That was yes. That was really really cool. So how okay on you've you've written this amazing book. Did you pitch it before you wrote it? No, no. I've been writing children's books for such a long time for over twenty years. I bought some of them for my godkids. I was so excited when I I actually had your lovely publicist contact me, and I went, "Oh, oh, okay. oh that's wonderful." <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's really nice. So I was in quite a nice position then. That I was, I've been really lucky. I've been given a lot of commissioned work, and you know, it was quite yeah. easy in bringing out. I was working for an American educational publisher quite a bit, so it was all you know, in bringing out picture books here in Australia and other places so it was all really nice and then lockdown came and I didn't realize how much I went out my friend said yeah you do and I said oh do I and um I was lucky in that I had a bit of commission work a few chapter books a couple of chapter books to do and I'd finished and I thought Mm. what am I going to do now and it was like I could it was as if I suddenly had a chance to step back away from what I'm um what I was doing and I had this old book in a very very different form and I thought this is my chance to write my adult book and just see what happens and just do be brave be bold and do something really different and I enrolled in a a course uh, through Curtis Brown in England they have a pitch and polished one but but it was really hack and burn I rewrote the whole book I mean yep. it was totally even the plot lines ended up being really really different but that was really good it gave me the chance to to just sit down and do it and I loved it I just was so I was very happy in all oh, the first couple of lockdowns because I was just you know when you wake up, do you ever get that George? You think, oh, goody, my book's waiting for me and yes, I can run and it's rare, write. but when I get it, it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. So you had that with this one. Yeah, I did and oh. it was almost, I'm so happy something happened to it, but I know it's a really odd format. But in a way, I was just really, really happy that I was coming out of lockdown with something. I was yeah. set back in the early 2000s. I didn't want to deal with lockdown. <laughs> And I was actually talking to the publisher and they and they said, oh, what about 2001, 2002? And I thought, that was such a lovely time in the world. It, I was still at my peak. Wasn't it ever? Wasn't it, it was. ever? But then there was um, 9-11. I'd forgotten about that. And I thought, oh. <laughs> so that was like, that was you, did, you did actually have a mention of it in there, though, and it actually reminded because I think for, for Australia certainly, yeah, 9-11 happened and from there and all the protests against the war and everything after that but going into 2001 I'd say from early 2001 and that's where it took me it was yeah I've been thinking about it what were you doing back then I am a very unconventional boo I uh decided at 19 years old I was going to buy a house that was actually possible in 2001 in Perth in Western Australia and oh, wow. uh, I, I got a tax return from my basically admin job that I'd gotten because I'd worn a very short skirt to the interview and it was a rather elderly man who hired me. (laughs) And 
and they thought I was 27 at the job. So, uh, and I was really 19 trying to work out how to do accounts and everything. So I got an okay paycheck, which now would be a pittance. I think it's only minimum wage now, but at the time it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Houses were so cheap in Perth at that point in time that I bought a lovely little house with my then partner now. Yeah, now life partner, husband. Oh, how nice. You're still together. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, we, we were doing that at the same time. We were, you know, I was enrolling in uni, being completely mature, going to Machine Gun Fellatio gigs, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, just being a, a right little teenager, effectively, not realizing that that era would just change within the space of a, a year, the yeah. houses doubled within the next year, everything changed. Yeah, no, overseas travel was hard and everything oh, just... Oh, yeah. What, what were you doing? I still had children at school then because it made me laugh. The, um, the fabulous Rosie, the publicist, she said, oh, you know, I did have a bit of a playlist and she said, oh, what was your playlist? And it makes me sound like I was really hip and everything. But a lot of the songs, they're not my favourite songs, but they're ones that I remember from the era. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so clearly just, you know, a bohemian like you. Every time oh, yeah. I went to, to Safeway, they'd be playing that. I don't know You've why. You've got the they're Dandy Warhols on. <laughs> yeah, Dandy Warhols. Yeah, they'd be. So it sounds like, oh, it's very. But I was actually, I remember that was when I was going around Safeway. So I had um, little kids then. And I think I actually went, then I actually went back and did my master's in creative writing at the same time in 2002. It's a fun time to be at uni. The early thousands was a really fun time to be at uni. Yeah, but I've never, I wrote a very serious book, which I've never done. Um, It was really fun. I liked that, but I wrote, I've never done things, the book I did as part of it. And you worked out it just, it wasn't you when it, it was just a chapter in your life? Yeah, but it was really good to do. How did you get from that to kids' books? Now I'm curious because it sounds like oh. you just go, I'm going to go do a thing and I'm going to I'm gonna give it <laughs> yeah. a go. Oh, yeah. It's also easy, George. No, it's not at all. I actually, <laughs> my first book I ever had published, it was accepted a, a year after I started being serious and then came out the next year. And I thought, oh, this is easy. But yeah. I didn't really think that. But I, I think I probably did because I'm allowed to have a bit of a, you know. Yeah. And then nothing happened for four years. But then after that, I mean, I think you hear about that a lot of times. Something happens and then it just snowballs. So then I just kept getting work every year. I've been lucky enough to have a book out, which has oh, been that's really. wonderful. Well, it's one yeah. of those things where it's so hard for it to get into the door sometimes. But once you're in. And you, if you're not a, a total sod, the, the industry, I, I've noticed, especially in publishing, people will go, who do I want to work with who isn't going to be a nightmare for me today? Oh, this person, they're lovely. They smile. They, they're nice. I, I don't mind emailing them. And suddenly you get work. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'm very, um, you're a pen for hire. I wanted to make money with it and income with it apart from... Heaven forbid should we write to actually make an income. <laughs> One time I got, he rang me up and said, Alison, I've got a job for you. You've got to take God out of a series of um, feature books. Wow. And they were written in the Midwest American yeah. and they bought the rights to them. So he just wanted me to get rid of God and it was actually a bit of a pervy God because he was looking at you all the time and was this a Pentecostal or something I was raised Seventh-day Adventist or Pentecostal I'm not now (laughs) oh no but it was um it was just like 
he's watching you. He watches you when you sleep. And they had a picture of the child there with the moon and this yeah. god looking at them. I thought, oh, he can see you everywhere. And I thought that's would actually it's terrifying to me. It's scary to a kid. I gotta say, if like Was if you're it? a kid with a really intense imagination, especially if you're a queer kid. I mean, I'm yeah. the B in the Q on the LGBTQI spectrum. So if you're a queer kid and you think that uh, you're going to get smote at some stage, but the person doing the smiting is watching you. For example, I know Kate Bush is just hitting the, the number one in the charts oh, thanks to Stranger the, Things. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being a six-year-old watching the video. I think I was six or seven. She did a song called Rubber Band Girl and it was all over TV. And I remember watching it thinking, Oh, I like her. I like her probably a bit too much for Jesus to be happy with me liking her. <laughs> and and God moment, would have been watching down He was He was standing there watching me and it's that moment where I'm a little kid watching TV and then looking going, I, I don't really like it that much. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, well, this is really just quite, because I was brought up uniting and we love everyone and just shake oh, hands. Oh, uniting is so chill. You guys do whatever are so you want chill. and. Yeah, which yeah. is great, but this was just creepy. So um, yeah. So I had a, I had. To, there were four books in the series, and I think it did so well. We did another four. So I do anything. You know what I mean? I'm. I said yes to lots of, of projects. A, you get to experience a lot of different things. B, you're not going to be bored, even if you don't like a project. You know, you're probably going to have another one come along that's interesting. C, you're making money. What I mean, the writer's dream to make some money. I know, but a lot of people, actually, I think it's changed a lot way back then. This is 20 years ago. Yeah. It was a bit, but I remember once a poet read one of my books. It was a chapter book I'd done. I'd been commissioned to do it. Yeah. He said, oh, I really love your little book. It was quite good. Ouch. That's so funny. I know, but really, a poet's calling my book little. I mean, looked at words. Oh, the fact that you still have that story in your pocket to bring out—that—that is okay. Well, given your new your new sort of path with fiction, I am expecting to see that poet somehow dealt with at some time because. There, there are words to describe. It's, it's the little things that people say to you. With an author. I've got one, one sort of frenemy, and I didn't realize she was a frenemy to this stage. I oh, you sound we like really me. We don't know yeah. for a while. I don't know. And she, it was actually when I first got published, and I was really lucky. I got a, I had an amazing publicist, much like yours, and they did a really big push. So I had the, you know, the stacks of books out front of Dimex and all the rest of it. And this is a friend of mine that also wanted to be a poet, interestingly enough. And she, she came up to me and just said, I've read your book. I didn't buy it, but I read it. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. And she was like, yeah, it's okay. And walked off. And I thought, oh, she, no, if she was... She should have lied. She doesn't know the rules. She no, there's rules, right? You're meant to lie and say. Right, you lie and said, I read it. And yes. just kind of look it up on Amazon and get a bit of an idea. And, and no writer I mean, is really going to say, like, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to sit there. I know that people lie politely. So I'm not going to be there going, so what did you think of the 30th, you know, page 30, what I did there with the characterization? You're never going to do that to someone unless, <laughs> unless you're in a oh, really awful but, mood. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but people, I mean, yeah, I've had a lot of put down this answer. Really? No, but George, is, I've had a lot of put downs. But over this is the years. interesting because people, writers don't really, I, I really find, and I've, I've just been able to start to talk to other writers about this, we don't really talk about the subtle ways and the etiquette that people should be aware of when you've got to write a friend. We, we, don't have a, uh, we don't have a boss and job reviews like performance reviews and stuff. The only feedback yeah, we that's get right. is yeah. out in the street, really, and Goodreads. <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> Do you read your Goodreads? Um, no, I used to. It's a cesspit. I, and, I, and the people who leave good re reviews out there are wonderful, glowing, shiny unicorns, and I adore them. But I, I just can't go there because all you need is one person who didn't get your stuff and it will destroy you for the day. Well, it destroys me for the day, the week, the month. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. Um, I don't believe in, I mean, I believe in my reviews, but yeah. I don't, I mean, oh, well, we're talking about everything. I got a real stinker one time, a stinker from really? Kirkus. You know, oh, Kirkus. that hurts but, even more. Did, okay, did you pay for it or did your publisher pay for it? So Kirkus Reviews for people out there, they're a very established review organisation, but they charge a freaking fortune to do one review. And a lot of times publishers will pay for it, but sometimes the writer is expected to pay for the review. And it's not a pay for a good review. No. You just, you're paying for their time to read your book. So Kirkus. Oh, oh but there is a... I mean, I could take it quite well because the book actually came out, the editor rang me up and said, look, we want to have four books about, we want to have some board books in a hurry. Can you get yeah. some done to me by tomorrow and we'll look at them and just really little ones, just simple, I think it was like eight-page board books, yeah. um, four spreads. So yeah. it was really easy. She said, could you do some, just do that. So I just whipped up something. And they just wanted to have it. It was about um, a why I love my mum. I might as well tell you what it is. Yeah. And then it did. It got changed into being a paper one. And I thought, um, not cardboard. Yeah. It turned into a picture book. And that was okay. And it did really, really well. And it sold here and it sold there. But it wasn't something I had spent, well, I hadn't spent hardly any time on it at all. Yeah. But I was proud of it. I worked on it. But it wasn't something I'd gone over every word. And then... It actually ended up being taken an American publisher. They took it. And it was always meant to just be purely mass market, not yeah. trade at all. Like mass market's what you find in your Kmart, your yeah. big W, You've, not you, in you, um, You're you going to give your kid a reward for shop. being good while you're walking around the shops. Yeah. It's like, okay, if yeah, you behave, sit in the trolley. Yeah. And I'll get you a book at the yes. end of the shop. Yeah, that, it's You'll that follow book, me right? when I used to go around Woolworths. Yeah with um listening to songs yeah yeah and then so then they took it as a very serious oh. picture book <laughs> so there's there's no context your your context no, for how no, and why you wrote that totally removed and I suddenly know. you're being judged on one day's worth of work that you thought was for something else this is like yeah. turning up this is like turning up in shorts and a t-shirt to a party and finding out it's a ball and I then know, someone's giving you a fashion review. <laughs> I, but, but actually, thinking back, it's actually really good to me, for me because yeah. I know, well, I survived that. I don't think everyone will probably know about it now. But, but probably, I probably didn't share it with many people, George, oh. which is strange. But 
I got over it and I thought the um, editor, the Australian editor, she actually apologised to me and said, oh, look, I'm really sorry because I know this wasn't. And I said, no, it's okay. And I got paid well. So, Well, uh, as long as you've got, it was you've got money work. for con- compensation chocolate and aura taking yourself yeah. out to, uh, <laughs> to have a few glasses oh, of champers. Yeah, and maybe a few more. Yeah, it was yeah. quite like it was okay. it was quite good payment. But I was thinking, yeah. So because of that, I'm much more. I don't think a review would make me cry. Cause would a review ever made you cry? Or uh, no, and I am I, a crier. I, I'm a crier as well. I'm a really easy crier, and I think I think it's actually a, a bonus because I can get it out pretty quickly. I don't know about you, but I oh yeah, I, and stomp around the house twice. I tend to, um, I invent new profanity. I'm a very slow person to anger, but when I get angry or if something blindsides me, I'll probably cry first and then the the next day I'll get angry and I'm just stomping around. (laughs) Just, yeah, completely butthurt and and I'll be as silly as anything. I think um, my, my anxiety about reviews was completely removed well, not completely at all, I'm lying. It was lessened considerably. I got this corker of a, a bad review for one of my books that I was extraordinarily proud of. I knew it was a really good book. It was just, again, it was an evangelical Christian from the States who'd reviewed it. Oh, okay. And uh, my book was set in Australia and it had profanity. It had out-of-marriage out of sexual you know intercourse it had all of this stuff and instead of saying I'm a Christian these are my problems they just called the book immature and and went on a bender and why were they reading it though I don't know but I get a lot of very very conservative people reading my books for page uh, 150 what I particularly did there when they did the thing together it was very explicit I disapproved but when they did the other thing together in the other position I particularly disapprove. Oh, they're reading it for the middle of the book. For, for really? The sex, yeah, they yeah. obviously are getting it. It's for the sex, but, um, yeah. But this person, yeah, but I, I did a thing where, and I, I do this now, and it's, I stalk them, but not in a really bad way. I literally just I copied and pasted their Goodreads name, and I just typed it into the internet because I'm like, I need to have some context for why this person, and I found out straight away they were the head of a church group, so I just relaxed and went, okay. And the second result that came up was their Amazon username because they review heavily on Amazon. And the thing that they'd only reviewed the highest, everything else was a one and two star review, all rom-coms or romances, all commenting on their immaturity in the sex scenes, was was a home enema kit. They'd given it five stars. (laughs) Well, they tried that. They must have tried them all. And they gave it a, a, it was almost, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating here, it was almost whatever Amazon's max review length was, it looked like a thousand words on the glory and joy of this home enema kit. I, I'm, I'm staring at this review going, these are all the glowing words that I would have appreciated about my book, but you've saved it for something you hose your bum with. So I think... <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> why, why do you need to know that? I mean, that's, that's just, that's weird. It was that's so off. weird and... It was weird and wonderful in that I was like, this person, if they'd just reviewed the kit and gone five stars, yeah, it's great. I don't need to know the medical issues. It was that it was so long and so detailed. And I thought, well, oh, that's ridiculous. I don't need to worry about who this person <laughs> is. I don't need to worry about this review. It's fine. 
Oh, you should put up why I didn't say. Well, but I tried it and it had the opposite effect. It had the opposite. It Do made you... diarrhea of words yes. come out of my mouth or something. Like you obviously really... had when you... Oh, critiqued me. When you critiqued me. If, what I want to do, and I've, I've been threatening to do this with a few fellow writers, I've told them I want to do this, is set up a, a reviewing reviewers sort of page oh. where I pick people, and it's going to have to, just not to be mean to people, pick people who have given one-star reviews to classics and just gently review their review and go, no, we, we, and, we do read this. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know... Oh. But yeah. I feel like they're monitors. You know, they're yeah. people who go through life and I don't know why they're prefects or... And then when I'm being kind, I think, oh, maybe they had a really hard time at primary school and they never felt very clever or something and now they're giving us all a hard time because most of us have grown out of it by the end of primary school. Don't you think you'd be a bit... And now they're getting back and they're like, they're the monitors and they'll be saying... I mean, I know someone will say, you mentioned the treble clef restaurant at the cafe at oh. the art gallery. And that <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, I can remember. I can't remember if it was there. And I thought, oh, I don't care. I, I don't, don't care. But, you know, someone will. Someone will. Like, and why it, does that matter? I, I, I don't care. I find that fascinating. And it sounds like you're kind of similar to me here. If the story is good, I don't care if the writer has been to my hometown, if they're setting it in my hometown, if they just want to set a book vaguely uh, and I mean I haven't been back to Perth for a few years but if they want to set it vaguely in Perth if they get the sunshine right as long as they don't have snow-capped mountains in the middle yeah. of Perth Western Australia and they they vaguely make it an Australian city my imagination will do the rest I don't need them but I think some people get so I've actually got I've got a very dear friend of mine who is one of these people and I've learned never ever to give her one of my drafts because <laughs> no. she will she will chunk down on a small detail and she won't be able to leave it. She'll literally be spending ages. I don't know if you've ever had someone beta read for you or something like this. And they will be trying to help I've you fix stopped. it. They'll be they'll be saying to you, no, how you can fix it is to and I'm like, this isn't a problem for me. I don't need to fix this. I'm fine with this. And they're like, no, 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 you need to fix it. You really need to. <laughs> Years ago, in a very old version, I might have had a few critique groups, but this one, I think I gave it to one friend to read who I yep. really respect, and I said, now, can I send this off or should I be too embarrassed to? Oh, and my she goodness, said, Just I'm so glad you did. Okay, how did you pitch? How did you pitch the near-Daphne experience to a publisher? Because like, I, I really, I put the book down last night and I'm like, that was probably one of the best books I have read for a very oh. long time because it, oh, it no I'm I'm not the last oh, book I read that I'm auditioning as your new best friend <laughs> the last <laughs> book I read that did this fiction book that did this I cannot I mean I can think of a few non-fiction books I've read recently where I'm just glowing um but fiction the last book that took me so by surprise I, I can't even I can't even tell you but at the same time I was like how would I pitch this if I was actually oh. the author pitching this, how how did you do that? <laughs> oh well, I'll be really honest. I um, oh before I did it because it's quite hard. To, well, you've done genres. It's quite hard, yeah. isn't it? Because there's a box. I mean, I know I can write a picture book. I know I can write a chapter book, mm. but it's a totally different thing writing for an adult. It's not just it's longer. I mean, 
it's just totally different. Yeah. And I actually, um, I did that six-week course as well as doing that, I actually used, have you heard of um, Alison Arnold? No. no she used to be, uh, she runs a bookshop now up in Queensland, but she used to be an editor at Text for a while and everyone kept saying, if you're looking for, a, you know, an external editor, just in, what do you call it, independent editor or whatever, have her, have her. And she was fantastic. I had her and she just really encouraged me and said, yes, I love it. And she got it because humor is very tricky. So oh, then I thought, oh. I write humor and I, I can appreciate how hard it is. Like everyone seems to think it's like, it's like stand up. I love, I love listening to stand ups talk because they always talk about the person who thinks it's so easy. And then they get up on the yeah. stage and try and speak. And they realize, no, it's, yep, this, this ain't easy. This, this is really hard. But for some reason, uh, humorous books tend to get sidelined of, oh, yeah, that's nothing. That's really light. That's, that's, you know, it's so easy to write one of those. I've had someone say, you know, what if your book? So you write it in about three days, right? It must be so easy for you. <laughs> and, and oh, I hope this wasn't that friend of yours. <laughs> no, it no, wasn't. It was just... actually someone who was really well-intentioned and trying to really talk me up. But they, yeah. I, I think there's an idea that humour just, you can just get those jokes straight on. They don't take editing. They don't take thought. I mean, your characters in, in your book, especially because it's in letter form, you don't have dialogue. Yeah. That's the thing that amazed me. So you were not, you're managing to do what you're doing oh. with the humour that you're using without having dialogue to, 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 to pace, which that is really freaking hard it's like I was reading it going wow See, I, well because I did it for so it's a long book I found it really easy but the letter thing I I haven't got an agent I approached a couple of agents yeah not a lot because I only wanted um I was fairly careful where I sent it yeah um, good oh and one of the reasons I don't know I run have you heard a kid that Vic you probably it's a conference in Victoria, in, Victoria mm. in Melbourne for um, writers and creators of children's and young adult fiction and illustrators as well. And I only have, we only have publishers, it's called Meet the Publishers, come and talk because I have this real thing that if you talk to the publishers, you're getting it from, you know, you're knowing what they want yeah, rather than... Yeah, because agents, agents uh, have an idea of what they think yeah. the publisher wants. I've had so many baddie agent conversations where they're like, I think that's what they want. And it's like, that's not what I heard at all. So it's interesting. So I approached a couple of agents and they were two said, look, I just don't like this form. And they didn't even look at it. Yeah. Another one oh. looked at it and they were all very lovely and nice and polite. And to tell you the truth, I was just thinking, if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. Like none of them were, they just said, look, I'm not even going to look at it because of that. And I thought, well, what do you, I can't No, and if you strap don't, them in another one. If you don't have them grabbing you by the shoulders and going, I no. love this and I want to represent you and I want to be there in the publishing trenches with my little agent sword smiting for you, you yeah. don't want them. They're not going to be yeah, on your side. They yeah. really... They're really lovely people. Yeah, mate. they it's are. Just, Very much so. I don't like everything. I don't like licorice and a lot of people do. That's okay. And then I had... Um, At least you got honesty. Yeah, and then well, it was. Then I had another agent who... Um, oh, she was a little bit... She liked it and then she wanted to see the whole lot and then she said, oh, you know, you could you change this bit and that bit? But actually, 
Ali Arnold. Or, she said, keep going. Oh, Don't just good. start changing stuff. And that was the best advice I could have had because you know how being a good little author, you think, oh, well, maybe if I change it. And she said, you've hardly done anything. And then I sent it maybe... I don't know if I sent it to another one. I didn't send it to many others and, yeah. you know, I thought I'll just go straight to the publishers. So um, <laughs> the publishers were a different story for everybody out there. Yeah. There suddenly was um, – because I was pretty flat and I thought, well, look, I've achieved it. I've written an adult book. I sh I'm happy with it. And you're on your own with this. One of the things that uh, this is yeah. sort of a bit like, for example, film and stuff is collaborative – but a writer is just literally sitting in front of their computer and they might have family yeah. and friends that will talk them up. But you're pretty much going, you're your own advocate. You have, to, you have to be your own pep talker. You have to be the one who goes, yeah, okay, I'll take a bullet. I'm going to do this. And then you take the bullet, you do it again, you do it again, and until you get the bite. So it takes a lot. I know. And it's really, you know, people always say that. And I thought, oh, it's so true because... I end up getting a couple of people seriously interested in me and I was thinking, what, what? I was in total shock because that wasn't, it didn't seem to worry them, the letters and the form, the emails and it's, the messages. It's not a difficult It didn't worry concept. them at all. Bridget Jones, like the yeah. analogy to Bridget Jones with the diary entries, it's, yeah. it's a very good analogy just to uh, manage reader expectations. You're going to be going in and you're going to be reading something that isn't just a, a regular narrative. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you do get access to that person's mind, yes. what they're actually thinking. That's the beauty of that sort of form for me, like when you see an email or you're actually hearing hearing things in their voice so it's a lot easier to become well you got became attached to Daphne and yeah. I think it's I hate I hate reading books that have a barrier between you and the you know sometimes you can read something think this is beautiful writing but I don't care about any of these people 100% the words get in the way sometimes see that yeah. yeah one of the things I loved about this was you don't condescend to your reader and I really love that I sat down and I started reading and I was like, I'm going to have to work here. And I love that. I'm going to have to be a little bit intelligent. This is an, and oh, no, it's, sure no, 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 but it's, no. no, but it's one of those things where it makes you feel like you're a smart person. And I, I, it's always really enjoyable to get that in a commercial fiction book where, you know, this one's going to be, you know, pitched, I'm guessing like straight in the commercial fiction section you know, yep. read it at the airport, you know, grab it, read it on a plane. And it's such a joy to get a book like that. And you, you don't make people climb mountains, but you do make people go, oh, gee, I'm getting this. I'm smart. And that's a really nice feeling to actually sit there and feel a bit good about yourself because you're like, oh, oh, I'm getting my head oh, around really this. I, I really don't like a book that suddenly you get a bit of information at the end. I really tried to see Oh, like what the Jesus Machina where everything's just all like, and then something happens, the end. Yeah. yeah. And then and then it was a dream oh, or goodness. something. I mean, that would. But, so I was really lucky with the firm in that the editor there, who I call one of the most patient men I ever know, and he says I shouldn't, but he was, because it would have been a pain to edit. He, um, he was really good. He really respected that oh, and didn't lovely. try it. If I say, um, no, he said no, and like a couple of times he queried something, and I said, he was really good. But he actually, it was a collaborative 
Oh, so you, it's really you're really fortunate. Because I'm, I'm not familiar with the firm. They're, they look like an amazing publisher. They are oh, treating like... They're like heaven. They look phenomenal. Because, as I said, a couple of bigger ones express interest. and You've got to go with what the one that sees your vision, though. It, it doesn't matter who they are. They've got to see your vision. Relationships are so important. Mm -hmm. I actually contacted the children's publisher there who I knew I'd worked with her at another publishing company. You know how everyone always moves around. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, especially the Australian publishing industry. It's literally, you don't want to piss anyone off because you never know where they're going to no. be next. And you've got to look at where no, they are if you your have. Best friend. If you have pissed someone yeah, off, it's like, well, where are they working now? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's it. That's it. So, um, but she, I kind of had worked with her a lot um, through running Kid Lit Thick. Yeah. I just wanted to have a, I said, who would, I do like to send an email to someone. And I said, do you have a, a name of someone who I should be sending, you know, sending it to? Just so it's – because I knew they had several publishers and I always think it's nice to get a bit of a Oh, thing. yeah. So the next minute I get an email from her. I've sent it to um, to Kelly. She wants to see it. Wow. Can you send her the whole book? Wow. And I think that happened on the Friday. And then on the Monday I – so I sent it and on the Monday – she said, thank you, I'm really looking forward to reading the book and I sent it off on Monday and then Wednesday, can I contact you? Thursday, she offered a contract. Bam! No, Wednesday and then the next day she offered a contract and oh my um, some other people at the company had all read it. I know, How does that like, feel? Like, honestly, so you've gone from lockdown, you've gone I, from I agent rejections. I don't actually believe it, George. I feel like, I mean, because I've been doing this for a long time. I've had my You've share seen of, it all, right? you know, things I've really loved and knockbacks and yeah. it's just like, what, what <laughs> and, is this? And the cover, like I've got to say. Andy Warren. I actually deliberately did not look at your cover. I read the book and then went, oh, really? how the sweet effing Jesus do you cover this book? And then looked at your cover and went, that's how you do it. Okay. Yeah. I know. And and you've got that lovely quote from Rachel Johns. She's just she's a goddess. She Oh, she's, she's the so sweetheart. good with that kind of thing. She's... And and um it's spot on the money. The way she describes it, it manages expectations. I love the knife in her hand. I love the love heart. It it it, it works. I thought that was so clever. I would never have thought of that. That was so clever. And it, yeah, it's yeah. so on point. Like I have a lot of conversations with authors on here about covers and how important they are. Because it's it's literally the only the cover and the title are the only oh. thing the reader is going to see on the shelves, especially if you're a debut. Oh, I buy books because okay. I went to the local bookshop and <laughs> one of the bookshops. She said, "Now read this. Just don't look at the cover. I promise you, you'll love <laughs> oh, it." Please, the it's the worst that... cover. Oh. It was such a good book. It was such a good book. What was book. the book? She Do said, you remember? I don't know what... Do you remember the book? Oh, I won't say because yeah. it it's. I'll tell you. Um, yeah, but I was surprised so, because it's a, so many authors. A really well known. We've all had a sh we've all had a shit cover. We've all had an absolutely way. Oh. And you're out there shilling a book that you put years of effort into, and they've given you a cover, and you're like, "This is amazing! I promise." Just and you can't actually say, "Please ignore the cover of my book. It's horrendous." Yes, I know, but the, the content's great. I know. Well, <laughs> I was just so lucky. So, like Kelly, you know. She, she got it. I've had a wonderful cover. 
I'll be honest, I had a fantastic contract. Was, I just kept waiting for... You're waiting for the boom. <laughs> You're waiting for, like, the where's the catch? Yeah. Where's the catch? She sods you. You've got, you've got a sniper in some bushes somewhere. You're going to get me on, it's just so, on launch day. What's happening? I know. You're going to trick me in the end. It's just been... <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It shows. It's just... I'm one of these beaten down writers. With, that's why I'm being really honest with you. Because things, good things can happen. It's it's just extraordinary to me. It's it means an awful lot to someone like me because I I write uh, women's fiction. I did that exact mistake that you were talking about. You'll have an agent or someone say, "Why don't you just do all these changes?" And I had a very successful career in Australia. And then I had a, I got a New York agent and she said, why don't you move all of your books to the States? All of your future books, set them okay. in the States. And I did. And then I realized, but the cultural difference between Australia and the States and their rules and laws, I'm not comfortable putting a utopia on what's happening with, especially in the women's fiction oh. realm. You know, I, I can't. It'd be really hard, actually. I can't, You'd have a real conflict. Yeah, setting something in Texas or? and making yeah. the, this rom-com utopia yeah. when abortion is banned and my characters don't have health care. And I've got yeah. wonderful American readers and they're really supportive. But at the same time as a writer, I'm like, I, I should be writing crime fiction or literary fiction about this. I don't think I can put a rom-com here. Yeah. It's not that I don't love my Texan readers, but uh, yeah, so I've done the I've done the full circle and, to, and I went over to comic fantasy spec fiction, which I love doing, and I did that during the pandemic. Okay, so you're like me, you wanted something fun. To hear that you yeah. did something different and it's worked for you is just, and after reading what you did and going, I could literally see this going across because agents are even more conservative than publishers like trying to pitch this to an agent. Yeah. So I'm so glad you mentioned that you got the rejections when the publishers were actually like, yeah, sure, we'll take it. And the agents were like, no, yeah. no, we can't sell this. We can't possibly. <laughs> yes. No, I know. And they were all saying, you know, anything else we'll look at. You yeah. Know, but, but I was thinking, really? Because I went and think, oh, maybe someone will have me or feel sorry for me. Oh, and... goodness. And the way I didn't, I didn't do a scatter. I didn't. Oh, goodness. Just having read this book, people, I, you need to read this book. Like, which, but you know ah. what? <laughs> which is so vulnerable. I know. I, mean, I was thinking, because I thought, oh, it's quite amusing. And then when a couple of people wouldn't look at it. And then I thought, part of me thought, well, if you don't like that sort of form, that's okay. No, Siki, you won't even look at my book. I know. Have you ever had, like, feels, sensible George? Yes. You know, vulnerable, and they kind of, you know, you have your sensible side, and then inside you go, they don't even want to look at it, but they don't know what they're looking at. They don't at. even want to look at it. But they don't know what they're no. looking at, so why should I be upset by that? No, but, but no, it hurts. It yeah, freaking hurts. And it, it's like, mine, mine has footnotes, so I'm doing, if you've ever read Terry Pratchett, I loved his style oh, with yep, footnotes. Yep. Now, my, mine is not a pastiche of yeah. Pratchett. I am not writing his stuff, but I love I love those little gags in footnotes and things like that. So I've oh, got yeah, the, the most amusing part. Yeah, yeah. I love them, and <laughs> I've got them in my manuscript, and I'm sending it out, and I know this is probably the best thing I've ever done. And I'm, I'm putting tabs on myself. Oh, really? That's so exciting. But you have to put tabs on yourself because yeah. if you don't, who else is going to do it? So, so you've got to go into it. You've got to go into it going, yeah, this is good. I know this is good. And I've, I've had a couple of agents just come back going, I don't get it. Or why footnotes? I, and I'm thinking you haven't, you, you've not even gotten past the you know third page probably. You've just looked at it and gone, yeah. stuff you can't do. 
like literally structure can't do structure and that's i'm getting the same thing that you did Opposite. i don't understand this structure why why can't you just make it easy for us third person first person I know, and it's... narrative <laughs> yeah. yeah but then i was thinking it would have made life easier if i had an agent but then because the firm have been so fantastic to work for and yeah reasonable in telling me everything I mean, I haven't needed one. I haven't had any problems. But... Oh, that's so wonderful. This is a good publishing story. Yeah. This is like a full Cinderella story. Oh, it is. This is lovely. It is. Wow. I know. Now I wear a ball gown every <laughs> night. I have a tiara. I'm so glad. Every writer <laughs> should wear a tiara while they're also wearing their pajamas, writing it. <laughs> I do have several tiaras. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't wear my pajamas because that makes me too... Um, <laughs> I have to, I'm putting people, I have to get dressed to, yeah. or else I'm too relaxed. But um, yeah, no, it's been good. But oh, I am married to an accountant, which probably helps a lot with um, yeah. contracts and, and things. So yeah. Well, you need that. We actually need to have someone in our pocket who's like, no, you're not doing this for the sheer love of it. You're doing this because you're putting your time into it. It is work. It is time. It is effort. Get the money, honey. Yeah. Like, get the money. I know, but it's... Yeah. Honey, yeah. <laughs> you did say honey. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was thinking today, that's the thing with writing. You never know. You've got no control over what's going to take no. off. You've got no control over anything. No. And it's quite a hard thing to You've got no idea if, to if what you've done is going to hit the zeitgeist at like the right... Just and, and I read, um, I don't know about you, but I get sent books every now and then by people who are like, you know, can you read, can oh. you read this and tell me? I've been given one yeah. and I was really excited and I loved it. Really? It's wonderful. Oh, that's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's coming out with a firm and it's fabulous. Oh, that's, I love that kind of thing. When you get them and you're like, oh, this is going to do well. Oh, this is nice. Well, I'd never done it before and I thought, what happens, I can't just say it's interesting, but no, it's just wonderful. That's another sort of backstreet thing. If you get sent a whole lot of books and they're like, can you blurb this or can you look at it? There's always something to say. If, if the book is, a, usually if it's gone through the mill, it's a good book. I will rarely, really talk up a book. Actually, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've done it. A book I haven't enjoyed though, but I read widely. So there's always yep. an in. Even if it's not something I'd read normally, I'm like, no, I, I kind of like what this is doing with this thing or this thing or this thing. I'm going to be a, a really nice person now. I've decided because I contacted, oh no, I've got the wonderful Carrie Cox. She comes from Perth or yeah. somewhere over there. She um, wrote one of my ones and then I contacted Rachel Jones, oh, Rachel, myself, and I contacted the wonderful Nicola Moriarty, yeah. myself. And then I say, you're so busy. And they've all said, yes, love to. Yeah, people are lovely. I tell you what, the children's ones wouldn't. They'd be a bit snitchier, I think. Rachel's really generous. She's a really, really generous person. I, I, I don't even know how many books she blurbs every year. But I don't know how you could find the time even. And You make the time. It's one of those things where I, I think there, there is joy in, in this industry to... Uh, set the time aside if someone compliments you by asking you I have been turned down with one of my books I asked a really old friend of mine a writer friend and um, yeah uh, she's the only person who's ever turned me down it was actually a really close friend but she did have a PhD 
and uh, two two manuscripts due within that month. So I think that's a pretty good excuse. Oh, well, that's our excuse, <laughs> She actually just sent me her diary schedule for that month. She just screenshotted it and said, oh, look, I'd love to, but look at this. And she put an arrow and I was like, honey, you are, no, just go do your thing. <laughs> that is fine. Oh, really? I, I think it's one of those things, though, in this industry, especially with... I don't know about children's books, and I'd be so curious. You never know who's going to take off. I've got the lovely Lisa Island. I met her. Oh, yeah, so, yes. I listened yeah. to her. That was such oh, a good she's, interview. Oh, she's a doll. So, so I met Lisa yeah. years ago. At the time, I'd, I thought I was the thing. I was, I was quite young. I'd just <laughs> gotten the three-book deal. I'm like, literally, I, was, I had big dick energy. You're still I, young. I was doing yeah. that BDE thing. I'm walking around going, yeah, it'll be okay for you. You'll do just fine. And someone said to me at the time, Apparently, I wasn't as bad as I thought I was, but my head was pretty big, like in, inside my head. You know, you're like, I'm the shit. And uh, look yeah. at Lisa now. Like someone said to me at the time, oh, you will wonderful. never know where the person you were talking to, if, even if they've never written a word in their life, if they tell you, you want to be a, they want to be a writer, you never know where they're going to be in five years' time. But it's, it's exciting, yeah. isn't it? Like you, you just don't. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's so much fun because yeah, you, you, you read, never know. Like. Yeah. Rachel's perspective might be that she doesn't know if you're going to be the next Leanne Moriarty and she's going to be asking you for a cover quote to... Oh, no, oh yes, I'm welcome. To <laughs> but there is, no, there is no way in this industry, like when I was talking to Lisa, the, the joke was that at the time, she, yeah, she hadn't gotten a deal yet. Like she hadn't, she was pitching that day to an agent and she was really, really nervous oh, really? going, I yeah. really hope they like my idea. And that book went then on to do brilliantly. And, you know, she's off, she's off and racing. <laughs> so. oh, but it's, it's just, actually, I'll just say, children's writers, they are really lovely. Yeah. But it's funny because a few have warned me what adult writers have been like. They said, oh, you know, it's a different world there. They won't be, you know, they're not as nice. And they've all been wonderful you know what I mean it's just so funny it's like I've jumped into a like warning me aren't they it's they're just people there are some sharks out there I will say and I have run into them but you'll know them when you see them you know generally if you're in the water going for a swim and you see a fin approaching you you're not going to go up to it and ask it if if it wants a pat you're going to get out of the water and there's you tend to see the mean ones coming <laughs> Like you will yeah, see, oh, you will see them by their Twitter trail, the ripples in the water. Just look at their Twitter feed, or look at their. That's the thing, people. I, I've been saying this a lot, actually. Uh, I've been running a couple of workshops, and we we um, sort of they're sort of a really creative thing, and we audition people before they do them, just to make sure they'll fit in. Okay. Uh, so I've got a Google form, send it off, and they've got to fill it out. And uh, it's amazing how people will tell you who they are. Like you can ask the most, you know, take them for granted when they'll when they'll act really supercilious or something and write it down like that. That's what you're gonna get. And if their Twitter feed or something is pretty reptilian or they're ranting, it's probably what you're gonna get. But do do you think they think you'll be impressed? That's that's what that's what I'm always surprised that they'll be. I think. Are you thinking I'm going to be impressed by you or something? And I just because I've made a vow now. I don't laugh at jokes 
I used to be very polite. I still am. Yeah. But as a woman, sometimes I'd be in a social situation, I'd laugh. And now I look really sour. I got. I love that though. I, I love that because I've, I've just stopped you've stopped that. taking the bullshit. Like if you've got someone saying, I clap back pretty hard now, especially with anything. I mean, anything homophobic or anything like that around me. I because I was yeah. basically having to keep it like who I was. Quite you know, I'm I'm in a heterosexual relationship, so it was quite easy to, you know, with Tony's corporate job and stuff. But you know, and people would make jokes, and I'm like, huh. And now, no. I'll just go, was, was that, was oh, you're that like really me, you funny? Look at a bit of a lemon yeah. now. Yeah. So I just, was that? Oh, and if it keeps going, I say, look, I really don't, I don't want to hear this. I don't find this funny and I don't care. Like once I would have cared because I had to yeah, be nice. Yeah, but do we but... have to be nice? That's the question. Where, where does nice get you? I know. You're thinking, this is so insulting to people. How can you even say things like yeah. that? And then you wonder why they're even thinking things like that to say something like, and they say, oh, it's just a joke. And I think. Well, I don't find it particularly no, funny. And, and if there's if someone's especially punching down, it's uh, like I have been known, I think I said this on a previous podcast, uh, we we had a, a, I'll say an acquaintance who we went out to dinner with one night and he, the, the staff, this was a Scottish restaurant, it was a pub, it was a beautiful country pub, we were living there at the time. The waiter was gay, I noticed the chef had come out, he was gay. So it was a very queer pub. Everyone's, everyone's, you know, yeah. on the rainbow flag. And this guy started using pejoratives and in front of his children. So his two wee boys, oh, his really? two wee boys were seeing an example of yeah. dad being like that. And I just walked up to the bar yeah. and I knew this guy would make it worse if I pulled him up on it. He'd just, he'd, he'd triple yeah. down. So I just walked up to the bar and I've done it with a few times, but it's just like, I tipped them ahead of time. I've, I, this is my trick. And I just said, look, please do not do anything to our food, but you can do whatever you want to his. <laughs> <laughs> if it's got food poisoning tomorrow, we'll be fine. It couldn't have been food poisoning. We all had the same thing. Do whatever you want to his. <laughs> and you know, a million years ago, I used to work in a restaurant. Yeah. And the waiters, they were all waiters yeah. there. Um, they used to joke about, but I think they, they'd put their thumbs oh, yep. in the soup for the people they didn't yep. like and then surreptitiously give it a yeah. white. And it may have happened, I think, on a few times when people are really rude. But that's okay. I think that's, well, it's not really. It's not, but at the same time, I really, I really hope they did something heinous to his fish. I really did. It actually made that yeah, dinner oh bearable. fish well. <laughs> It made that dinner I bearable. Breathe on it. Yeah. Have, Have a, a bit cough. of a cough there, please. <laughs> with the cough, come on. Especially now. Yeah, with all... COVID. Yeah. It's, <laughs> please um... all line up and yeah, cough as you on. walk past. <laughs> yeah, they got it next yeah. door. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's all. <laughs> I've got a lot of friends that aren't yeah. writers. And I think that's better for my head. I don't join writing groups, I don't want to be a member of them. I oh, don't, really? and and that makes me. Uh, I'm a bit of a lone wolf. I every time I've tried to join one, I'm too nice. Talking about no, I'm not nice. I am too nice, and there's usually always the one top dog in the group that everyone is like, oh well, you you obviously know, and they've got the whole hierarchy and everything. And I don't like I don't like that feeling that people are arbitrating the quality of writing within a group or telling you how to write or yeah, uh, sorry, that was quite emphatic of me just to come in, wham. No, no, because I'm, I'm the same. I've belonged to writing groups in mm. the past 
one of them I have kept in contact with, but we've turned into a going yeah, out lunch Yeah, but that's different. That's different. Drinks and that's different. But some of the other ones, it was just, it's like a family. Everyone had their allotted role. Like one man, whatever he said about grammar was good. And I'm thinking, I don't yeah. care if I need a comma or a colon here. And you just talk for ages. Yeah. One thing that I've really learned is you can be a wonderful writer and not a good speller. And that's something I had to learn. <laughs> There's some, yes. and the, I know. No, I'm, I'm, the, no, I'm the same. I, I put the the grammar and stuff when I'm writing a first draft. All that's out the window. I don't care what my manuscript looks like. The idea and the concept is first and foremost, and then I'll make it look good. I'll 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 get out the dictionary. <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm a good speller, and I should think, oh. Well, look at their spelling. And now I was horrible. I would never say that to people but my little brain. And now I realise that's rubbish. I'd been taught something really, really wrong from when I was at school probably growing up. And then I didn't realise that till I was in my 30s that, no, you know what I, I mean, it's what you... you're exposed which is, that makes me sound no, horrible. Doesn't... But now I know the best writers. There's only so much you can deprogram. Like, honestly, like, I think yeah. today and nowadays people are like, oh, well, you know, I've got to unlearn everything. And I'm like, it probably, you took a lifetime to learn it. <laughs> you know, don't be too hard on yourself to unlearn it, you know, if you don't no, want to learn it's it. it's not unlearn. It's just being open and finding out True, new things. Yeah. And, oh, that makes me sound, I would never say anything, but my internal thing probably was, oh, this oh, is but quite good, that's but fine. you're not spelling properly now I think oh that's um that's where you just say oh you might want to use a copy editor before you send it out <laughs> yeah yes and then and then sometimes because I'm writing for Americans my spelling's gone off oh. anyway because I get very confused about toward and towards yep. and I see that all that I can't remember any of it now because I never know what I'm yeah. doing you can lose touch I, I was actually on one of these workshop things the other day and it was all Americans and I, I, without catching myself, just oh, okay. said, oh, hold on a sec, I'm, I've got to speak American. Because I think I was using Australianisms. I was using a bunch of stuff. And I've, I've lived in, I've lived in over, I've lived in a ridiculous number of countries. <laughs> Let's just say so. I am so boring. I'm exciting if I moved out of the suburb or something. <laughs> really done that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I've, it's just sheer by my my randomness that I've ended up being all over the place, but it does mess with, with oh, language. Oh, I think it's fantastic. It messes with, I don't know what's normal with anyone I'm talking to. So I'll be saying something <laughs> to someone and they'll be, if they're polite, they'll just be looking at me nodding and I'm thinking, hold it a sec. I just used about three phrases. You probably have no idea what they mean because they're Scottish colloquialisms. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my little yeah. bear. Well, we bear. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm talking oh, to so an American. Funny. Yeah, it just messes with your mind, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's that thing where it's like, yeah. okay, it's almost down to business English. You know that nice universal English you get in offices sometimes, where everyone can understand it and go, okay, yeah, I know what you mean now. But I know, but some things like with the American, I can't remember. Barrack meant something else over oh, there. Oh, I haven't come across that one. You don't barrack. I haven't come across that one. Oh, I shouldn't have used that. I can't remember what it was. I think it was barrack. And a few things I say, oh, I don't think you want. And they're always so they're, lovely. They're wonderful. They're, they're so always... polite when they deal with you. It's it's just. They're... Oh, they're so <laughs> polite. I think, um, yeah, it is. Like a friend of mine said, when you get a, um, a rejection from an American agent, 
you always think it's an acceptance because it's so polite. You just keep reading, reading, and they love everything about you. But, but no, no, yeah, I just feel that you're not right for me. Yeah. It's when you get the, I feel that you're not quite right at the end. Oh, really? Yeah, it's whereas the Brits actually, I've got to say the Brits are really good for that too. They're, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating just culturally all the differences you get when you work with different editors and you work with different. Oh. You would have worked with the American editors, the Australian ones, all over the place, right? Yeah, you just can't pick what's going a to be a, a problem. And, <laughs> yeah, you think like I don't care, especially when it's commissioned stuff. Oh. I think it's your baby. You know, I'm happy to yeah. change whatever you. Yeah, that's fine. It's, but. it's just random. Like I had my, my wonderful, I work with uh, the wonderful Andrea Robinson. So she's she's an independent editor in the States. She used to be a commissioning editor for Penguin and a bunch of other publishers. And she's, oh, okay. God, she's yeah. wonderful. I hope to get her on here. She's a writer as well. But she uh, pulled me up with one of my manuscripts and she's like, George, you've always got washing on the line. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, we don't really do that that much. And I looked it up and... Oh, really? Clotheslines are seen as a poor thing in a lot of the states. Only poor people use clotheslines, and a lot of really, I I'd, love a clothesline. I've, I've never not had here. a clothesline. Yeah. You know, it's a very Aussie. The Hills Hoist. It's yeah. an Australian institution. It's and and this was a farm setting, so my brain went straight to, of course, you'd have a clothesline outside. And she's like, well, n- not necessarily. We tend to just use clothes dryers and have since the fifties. Oh, so they've got clothes around yeah. the house. And it was I a cultural, that. it's just a cultural thing where some spectacular marketing. I've oh, got to say, who was ever marketing clothes dryers to, to brand air drying? And now it's called solar drying your clothes. If you want to be environmentally. Oh, what, my yeah, clothes line? You were now very environmentally oh, friendly. You were solar drying. I'm very at the yeah. edge of the movement. Mm, probably. You've been doing it probably for, for, you know, decades before everyone else. Yeah. Yes. I'm I've always been at the forefront of Hmm. environmental change. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So is your editor is she was a did you choose her because she'd worked for a publisher? I'd worked with uh, Penguin in Australia and their editorial was out of this world. Uh, it was just yeah, so, so good. Yeah. I got so spoiled. And when I decided to go independent, and, and that was a purely financial decision, really, I just went, where is the money, honey? And <laughs> went that way. And um, and then I thought, yeah. well... My husband would be applauding. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. well, I can't leave this editorial set up. This is magic. The way Penguin edit, and, you know, they, they do about three layers of it and... And the first thing I looked for was, is there, and at the time, I because of the agent's advice, which was actually wrong advice, shifted all of my books to the States. But luckily, I was looking for an American yeah. editor. And I I had the most amazing experience. I just, we've been working together for almost a decade now, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, wonderful. She's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's that really wonderful, you'll never get that. And I'm sure you've you've got the same thing. You don't. You don't get someone going, no, that's wrong. You get, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about this? You know, it's all about how an editor approaches you to change something. As a- Yeah, and I feel this is might be quite controversial, but this is one of my things. I have a real thing about people getting a book published and then they're suddenly being, a, they're editing for people and doing manuscript assessment and charging a bomb. And then you think, where are you coming from? Like what 
I mean, there are some very good ones out there, but a lot of them do that. And people are so vulnerable and they'll think, oh, if I pay oh, all I this money, that. it must be good. I did but that. Then... I got ripped off by... Uh, by two separate editors at the very beginning and one of them and and it was the worst looking back on it I thought it was amazing and I was so vulnerable I was almost shaking when I opened the email the first time well we all are we all and, are uh, and it's yeah. yeah and if anyone out there is listening choose your editors wisely <laughs> really wisely and Alison would say consider getting someone who's actually had industry experience mm. from the other side of the desk yeah. being an editor I mean, of course, there are some really good yeah. writers, but it's a different thing. It is, and they just—I think <laughs> I had so many edits for um, Daphne. I think I had—I had a structural edit with um, the publisher, which yep. I really loved. Not much change. She just—oh, you know, Myra yeah. Hindley. She suggested I put in Myra Hindley has a sort of a presence in it. If people have heard of Myra Hindley. This is yeah. a book that is uh, an airport light read with letters to serial killer Myra Hindley in it, and it works. When you first started that first letter to Myra Hindley, what, right close in on the thing, like it was quite near to the beginning, I cackled out loud. I'm like, what is she doing here? I want to know. <laughs> but that was really funny because the, I was very lucky with the publisher, Kelly, because she said, I just think, have you thought about that? Do you want yeah. to try that? Have introduced that in which I did but the funny thing was she said oh you know would you think about someone like um oh you know Julian Knight he's a Melbourne it wouldn't work murderer as well. Myra was the perfect pick Ivan Milat I know and I said I can't do any of them because they feel too real for yeah. me and I think one of them has died now but I said it's got to be historical yeah. and have you ever had that thing everything makes sense after a while, nothing you've ever done oh. wasted. Many years ago, yes, it comes in and you think, because I don't know why I'm born in Australia, but I knew about Myra Hindley and I, many years ago I was in um, staying in England and the only book in the house was one on ghost yep. stories, which I read and I had to stop reading because it was an old house and I was just too spooked out and wasn't sleeping. <laughs> it was terrible. And then I started reading, and the other one was 100 Famous Murderers in England. The girl up there. <laughs> and, um, and I remember, I'd never heard of her. I read this as a 20-something-year-old. I'd never heard of her, and I read that. And I remember it's always really stuck in my brain. I'm thinking, oh. And the, the thing with the hair, and, like, she actually visually for your reader, how you wove that in, oh, chef's kiss. It was... It was oh, perfect. You. So one of the things that I do at the end of pretty much every one of my episodes is I ask my guests if they have any advice to give someone starting out or someone wanting to, you know, do any form of creative career, what advice would you give them? Um, <laughs> nobody has all the answers, so don't listen to me. If someone's very dogmatic and says, you must use A, B and C, I think everyone's got their own path. Don't don't think if you do if you spend all this money, it's miraculously going to happen. Work oh, on doesn't. your craft. Read a lot. When people tell me they don't read, but they want to be a writer, I think, well, what do you do with your spare time? So read a lot. And this is be bold, be brave. That's what I'm being at the moment. Totally different things. Yeah. I'm being very brave. New genre. And this is more than one thing, but they're like one That's and a fine. quarter, one and a half. <laughs> and my other one is, someone said this to me, you're in your own lane. 
don't compare yourself to anybody else or else you'll just go batty. And like as you referred to before, as a writer, we're all brought up, we all think we've got to say, oh, my life is rainbows and I'm so yeah. fantastic and I've, I've never been cross with a publisher in my life or been disappointed. Well, no one's going to, we all feel like we've got to be put up this big edifice. So, yeah, yeah. so that's okay. You're Whatever you're doing, you're doing a good job. You're doing the best job you can do at that time and you might be like me and suddenly have good things happen after <laughs> after just paddling along and then suddenly, woof, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Thank you so much. I oh, loved having you. you on. I oh, really I love loved your book. You, George, did this did this work for you? Yeah, it did. Like I forgot I was talking to you. I mean I know, <laughs> no, I know I I know. I'm talking to you because I'm looking at you. That was wonderful. Uh, you can find Alison at alisonreynolds.com.au. You can find me at evsnow.com overlondon.net and just follow the breadcrumbs for all the social media. Huge thanks to Tony Johnson for the sound and the editing on this podcast. I really had a great time this week and I really look forward to catching up with you again next week.